There we go. All right, we'd like to welcome everyone to Landmark Baptist Church Sunday School. Uh, probably Sunday School Hour. <laughs> but uh, we, we thank God for these Sunday School lessons. Not only we learn something from each one of them, but uh, there's a lot to learn. I don't think even in one lifetime you can learn all there is to learn from the Bible. It's very deep, uh, very uh, informative book. We do well to give the most earnest heed to it, <clears throat> lest at any time we let it slip. But uh, our lesson today is in Psalms chapter 15. Uh, we'll just take that one chapter, it's five verses, but we won't get through them, I don't guess. If we do, it'll be a photo finish. Uh, Sister Bonnie was going to be here today. And uh, she's just not up to it yet. And I don't want her to push it. She's been through so much. We told her just to take her time. And when she's comfortable coming, it's long distance from where body lives to here. And I certainly don't want her to take one step backwards. She's been through the valley. And uh, she's on the rebound. And we want her to be able to come. But we want her to come and use caution, not put herself uh, in any jeopardy. So uh, she, she wanted to be here today. As far as I know, uh, Kay's home with Mark, and they have found out one of her problems is her medication. And sometimes the medication is the problem, I'll tell you. I thank God for medication, and I, I think it does need to be uh, in moderation. I think some people possibly take too much medication, and then you look at the side effects to some of that stuff. That's what happened to Kay. They prescribed her medication. And the side effect of that medication was strokes and seizures and stuff like that. I'll tell you, one of my daughter's medications, uh, the side effect it was diabetes. She ended up being a diabetic. Uh, so you want to read, find out what the side effects of a medication is the reason I'm saying that sometimes the side effect don't outweigh the benefit if there is any benefit to it. But anyway, uh, Kay's home, far as I know, Mark, he's still struggling uh, with pain. Remember Mark and Kay? Uh, we've been praying for a, for a friend of, of Patrick's that works with him. Name's Keith. We've been praying for him uh, and hoping. He might come to church with Patrick. We pray for him. And we've been praying for Bruce. Been praying for Mike. Uh, Donnie mentioned a, a man, Ricky. We've been praying for him. Also got, got some issues there. A lot, a lot of things to pray about. There's never too little to pray about. Amen. That's why Jesus said, Luke 18, 1, He would that all men everywhere might pray and faint not. And we need to do more praying, less fainting. Amen. Uh, we'll have a quick word of prayer here this morning. Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you, Lord, to be able to say we're saved in the family of God. Born again, going to heaven. We're thankful for that. And I thank you for my wife, Lord. She continues to get better. And we rejoice, Lord, sin. Lord, that people not only praying for her, but we get to see the results of that father. She keeps getting better. We're thankful for that. 
We pray for Sister Vani. Lord, pray you'll help her to continue to get better. We thank you for Sister Carolyn. Lord, doesn't need a walker, doesn't need a cane. Lord, able to walk on her own. Just amazing, Lord. Thank you for that. And Lord, we pray, Lord Father, this morning for, for Mike. We pray for Bruce. We pray, Father, Lord, this morning for Keith. Lord, we pray for Phyllis's sister. Uh, that stage four cancer. We've been earnestly praying for her. Pray for her daughter. Uh, Lord, we pray for all of Bessie's boys. Pray for Tony. I, I don't know all the boys' names. We pray for them. Pray for Brother Mitchell. Lord, having health problems also. Pray for Phyllis. Lord, that she'd be able, Lord, to have better health. She falls and, and uh, struggles. Lord, we pray for her. Pray, Lord Father, for Patty, Madison, James. Uh, Lord, both of them, Lord, getting a little on the frail side. We pray for them, Lord. Uh, Father, we pray, Lord Father, for uh, Lord, uh, Brother Eric twisted his knee. Wanted to be here this morning. We pray for Brother Eric. We pray, Lord Father, for Joe. Going to have surgery, Lord. 26 of this month. Going to have hip replacement. Pray for him. And uh, Lord, we just pray, dear God, Lord, there's a list we couldn't, I don't guess, name them all. So many people out there, Father, need a prayer. Need you, Lord, to come and touch them. Need you, Lord, to come, Lord, and heal them. Lord, your word says you visit us with healing in your wings. Lord, you're the great physician. Sometimes you send your word and heal us. And I pray for those people in the nursing home where my wife is, all of them. Lord, in need of prayer. Lord, help our country, help our schools, help our churches, Lord. Get in good standing with God. I do believe that we all need to do a minute of repentance and get closer in the will of God. Closer, Lord, to the Word of God. Help us, Lord, I pray, in this Laosian day in which we're living in. Lord, forgive us our sins. Lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Wash us and cleanse us. Oh Lord, I pray you to order our steps and help us to walk in them. In Jesus' name. Lord, we ask all these things, Lord. So many people come into my mind. Even, Lord, as I'm closing this prayer, I pray for Brenda Goff, Lord, having pain, Lord, in her in her shoulders, in her knees, Lord, in her back and, and neck. We pray for her. Oh, Lord, we just pray, dear God, Lord, for... Brother Bob Malkin up there in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Brother Bob said his health's getting down on him. And, and Lord, he's having trouble uh, going and doing what he's got to do. We pray for Brother Bob. Send blessings his way and send healing his way. And Lord, thank you, Lord, for Brother Andy and Sister Shelley coming by the nursing home yesterday and bringing their beautiful family with them and bestowing blessings upon blessings Lord, to us and others there at the nursing home. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for that. And pray, God, Lord, you'd bless here today. In Jesus' name we ask it, Lord. Amen. All right, we're in uh, Psalms chapter 15. Good old King James Bible. If you don't have a King James Bible, please get one. One thing God doesn't do, God doesn't lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And all the words of God are, are true. And uh, we want you to get the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, 
Uh, we want to tell you why we said that. John 17, 17, Jesus is praying that priestly prayer. And Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. He said, Thy word is truth. And uh, I want you to get the truth today. That's why I use the King James Bible. God's not to author confusion. And uh, I don't want to authorize any neither. Amen. Psalm chapter 15, verse, we'll read all five verses. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth uh, in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth uh, to his own hurt and changeth not, he that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. Well, we'll take this now verse by verse. Verse 1 says, Lord who? Those two words there say so much. First of all, I want you to notice who David's talking to. Starts out, Lord. He's talking to the Lord. And then he says, Lord, who? I want to remember, not only he's talking to the Lord, but he's got a question here. And his question is, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Uh, he's talking to the Lord, and he's asking, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? That question of who is repeated again in verse latter part of that verse who shall dwell in thy holy hill those are three who's the one is who David's talking to and the two questions are who shall abide in thy tabernacle who shall dwell in thy holy hill well that can be answered it can be answered with one word whosoever uh, Romans 10 verse 13 says whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord they shall be saved Jesus said that whosoever cometh to him he will no wise turn away uh, John 3 16 says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life I'm just telling you that who is answered in that word whosoever. Uh, David's asking God who shall abide in thy tabernacle. You know Jesus told his disciples in John 14. We do have a lot of troubled hearts down here today. He said let not your heart be troubled. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to you. Let not your heart be troubled. He said, you believe in God? He said, believe also in me. Now look, there's a lot of people, they believe a lot of things. I met one yesterday. As I went to the nursing home yesterday, I met a guy that I worked with. I won't call his name. But I will tell you this. 
He's one of the who's that better be careful because there's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's Acts 4.12. And I want you to know the foundation of God standeth sure. The Lord knoweth them that are His. That's in 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Verse 19. Well, come on, I need to get in 2 Timothy. That'd help a bunch. A foundation of God standeth sure having this seal... <clears throat> The Lord knoweth them that are His. That's a distinct who. And uh, also in John 10, Jesus says in verse 27, My sheep, that's another type of who, hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now I'm going back to John 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He's talking to all of the whosoever's out there. If your heart's troubled today, won't you talk to God about it? Let not your heart be troubled. He said, ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now Jesus is telling the whosoever's not only to believe in God, but he's telling them to also believe in him. And then he says, In my father's house are many mansions. David says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? I'm in a tabernacle right now, an earthly tabernacle. But this is a heavenly tabernacle. And Jesus says in John 14, 2, In my father's house are many mansions. If you've got a Bible that says something other than that, if you're okay with that, I'll tell you what, I, I kind of like the word into this. I've never been in a mansion before. But uh, he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now David says, who shall abide in that tabernacle? You can. Jesus is the door, John 10, 9. Jesus is the way. John 14, 6. I'm telling you, if you want to abide in the tabernacle of God, well then you need to be like David here. He says, Lord, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. He said, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? You know what? Uh, Psalms 121. Well, we got a lot of liberty this morning. We ain't getting nowhere in these five verses. I can tell you that right now. But Psalms 121, it says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. David says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? I'll tell you, heaven's up. In the hills, you look up. David said, I'll lift up mine eyes unto the hills. It says, who shall abide in thy holy hill? God made heaven for you. That's why Jesus said, I go away for a place for you. He made heaven just for you. God don't need heaven. 
You do. He also made hell for the devil and his angels. You want to know about that? That's in Matthew 25, 41. And it's a fit place for a devil. I'm like my pastor. He said he likes his devils well done. And I used to have a sticker on my truck that said the party in hell been canceled due to the fire. Hell has not been quenched. Hell will never be quenched. If you don't want to go to hell, you need to do what this first verse says. It says, Lord, who shall dwell in thy tabernacle? If you want a, if you want a heavenly body, if you want to live forever, then you need to get saved, born again saved. This earthly tabernacle I'm in right now, even though I've already got eternal life, this is not an eternal body. Hey, one day this body's going to give out on old brother Eddie, and it's going to go down. I'm going up. What do you mean you're going up? Well, let's read it. A lot of people out there don't know much of nothing. So let's just read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Look at verse 7. We could read it all, but for the sake of time, we're just going to read verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. I'm an earthly tabernacle. You cremate me and it's going to end up being a handful of dirt. That's all I am. I'm in an earthly tabernacle. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. And notice this. And the spirit, that's what's inside my body, my soul, my spirit. That's why this body is animated. Because my soul is in it and I'm alive. But this body loses that spirit, loses my soul, leaves this body. This body's going to fall down. Then says the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. He gave Adam the breath of life. He breathed into Adam's nostrils and Adam became a living soul. Uh, we're going all different directions this morning, but I'm kind of liking it. I didn't have none of this wrote down, but I'm glad God's leading in this Sunday school lesson this morning because I like it myself. David asked an eternal question. Who? That can be you. Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? We've been teaching on Wednesday nights trying to clarify the subject matter of salvation. It is simple and yet it's complicated. It's offered to all yet all won't receive it. But if you do want to live in heaven you do want to have eternal life this verse says who shall abide in thy tabernacle? That can be you. God offers it. He gave His life a ransom for all. He died for all. He loves all. Yet all have sinned to come short of glory of God. David says, Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? If you want to go to heaven, you need to go to the one that made it. And tell Him you want to go there. And ask Him to forgive you and ask Him to save you and believe Him to do it. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Listen, if you're saved, you don't have nothing to worry about. Hey, God's on the thrones above every throne. I look around down here and I have to admit it. It's a mess. And I realize there's nothing I can do about it. It don't matter whether you vote for Trump. It don't matter whether you vote for Biden. It don't matter who you vote for. I'll just tell you right now, uh, this is not going to be something that man can fix. The Bible says the mystery of iniquity do already work. And this thing's going to run its course. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to come plumb down to the point 
that men are going to have heart attacks. Their, their, their heart's going to fail them for fear of looking on those things. It's not going to get better. I, October the 7th, I wish that had never happened. That's just the tip of the iceberg. But Jesus here in verse 2, He said, I go, the latter part of verse 2. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. God has a place in heaven for the who in verse 1. Not only does He have a place in heaven for the who in verse 1, but look at verse 3. And he said, and if I go, and he did. He came down, gave his life ransom in the grave three days, resurrected himself, ascended up into heaven. All eyes beheld him. The angel said, why look ye here gazing this same Jesus going to return? He said, and if I go, and he did, and prepare a place for you, and he did. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. He said, I will come again. He is coming again. I don't care how many books they write, how many movies they make, how many preachers get it mixed up. He's coming again. Not only said, I will come again, He said, and receive you unto Myself. Why? That where I am, there ye may be also. Now I can't get Myself to heaven, but I have made... Uh, reservations. I made preparation against that day, April 27th, 1988. I confessed that I was a sinner. I confessed that I was sorry. I asked Him to forgive me my sins. I asked Him to save my soul, and lo and behold, He did. Well, how did He do it, brother? Just for the asking. This verse 1 says, Who shall abide in that tabernacle? If you want to abide in this tabernacle, you need to get to Jesus. And you need to call upon Him at your mercy all that call upon Him. Now I know you're saying, well I'm going to one of these days. You might not have as many days as you think. Matter of fact, there's somebody probably dying right now that thought they'd be able to enjoy this day. I think they said every four minutes. Yeah. Amen. I got Sharon in here this morning. Amen. She said every four minutes some fool. I worked around in the hospital long enough. Amen. She said she saw it firsthand. Some of them died in peace. Some of them died in agony. Right. I've been there both both of those gravesides. I hope I'd rather be there when they die in peace and they just go to sleep. They're not fighting. They're not screaming. My mother died with her eyes open. I was holding her hand. What a beautiful passion. And I, I don't like talking about that being a passion. My mother graduated this life. I mean, we all live a number of days. You just got so many days. And, and I have to admit, God can lengthen them and He can shorten them. But He's the one that gives you the days that you live. But my mother at the hospital kissed her on the forehead and said, Mom, I love you. She looked up at me and smiled and said, I love you too. Mm-hmm. That's the last words I heard her say. Yep. She's looking at me. Doctor comes in and says, The Lord, if you can hear me, close your eyes. Mama never closed her eyes. I never thought a thing about that. My aunt on the other side, her sister holding her other hand, she never thought a thing about that. The doctor said, would y'all mind stepping outside for a minute? We was out there yakking up a storm. The doctor come out there and said, she's left us. My aunt passed out. She said, she can't be gone. I need her. And I'm sitting there thinking, I need her too. And I had to comfort my aunt. We was down there, me and my wife, trying to 
Get her back around. She's passed plumb out there in the hall of the hospital. Who shall abide in that tabernacle? Who shall dwell in that holy pill? If you want to, if you do want to dwell in that holy hill, if you don't want to have, if you do want to have an eternal tabernacle, you need to get in touch with Jesus. Let me show you what I mean by about that eternal tabernacle. And uh, <clears throat> hold on a minute here. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. <coughs> this may not be where I'm wanting to go, I'm hoping I find it here. It's not the one I'm looking for, but this will work. In in first Corinthians chapter fifteen, it says uh, as we had borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And he said, Now this I say, brethren. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 49. I mean verse 50 now. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither do corruption inherit incorruption. And, uh, you know, this earthly body, uh, I was looking for the scripture, said this earthly tabernacle be dissolved. We have one eternal in the heavens. And even though that is in here, I can't put my finger on it right now. But uh, this natural body, uh, it's just going to go so far. Verse 44 talks about it's raised a spiritual body. Uh, there is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. said Adam was made a living soul, made a quickening spirit. Uh, but that first man's of the earth. Verse 47, that second man is the Lord from heaven. Verse 48, as the earthly, so are they that are earthly, and as the heavenly, so are they that are heavenly. That's actually not the scripture I'm looking for. Hold on a minute. I might be able to still find it. Try this concordance back here sometime. It'll help an old man like me. I'll be 70 Tuesday, but I'll tell you what, I'm feeling the effects of it already. <laughs> Maybe have dementia. Let's see here. Dissolve. Let's try that. It might, might take us to it. Second Corinthians chapter five. Thank you. Second Corinthians chapter five is the scripture I was actually looking for. Jump too quick. I should have. Here we go. Verse one. But we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, I'm talking about an earthly tabernacle. When we talk about verse 1, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? He says, we're dissolved. We have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. 
Now, it's in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1 and 2. This tabernacle of Psalms 15, verse 1, David says, Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? If you're in this earthly tabernacle and you're still alive and you want to have an eternal home and an eternal body, you've got to get in touch with the Lord like David says here. Verse 2, He that walketh uprightly, uh, you know when John 3 verse 4 says I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth uh, our walk's important uh, people are looking at you you probably don't know it but they're marking you and, and uh, they're noticing where you go they're noticing what you do but uh, God also notices says he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart now the first verse said who twice then you got here walk and work in verse 2 and like I said our walk uh, we need to walk in the light as he's in the light First John chapter 5 verse through 7 uh, talks about us walking in the lights. He's in the light. But uh, also Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 talks about that we need to walk worthy. And I didn't walk worthy <laughs> till I got saved. And I have to admit, I put a lot of things off and I put a lot of things on. Amen. Since that day. But Paul here in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, he said, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. Our walk's important. In Titus chapter 3, now we're talking about works now, not the walk, but our walk's important. People are going to notice your walk. They're going to say, hey, I noticed you going to church last Sunday. Oh, God. Well, as a matter of fact, at the nursing home yesterday, they was asking me where this church was. There's a lot of people got blessed yesterday. And uh, some of them uh, like wanted to find out where is it. They might want to come visit. I said, you come home. Mm-hmm. And you know, your walk's important. It, it draws attention either to the Lord or from the Lord. And our walk needs to be right. But uh, also our work needs to be right. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Not of works of righteousness. Uh, the reason I'm reading this uh let me throw this in real quick before I even do read this. There's a bunch come to Jesus one day and asked him a question. And uh, he answered the question. In John chapter 6, verse 28, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? The reason I'm going this direction is I don't want you to get confused about the work we do need to work but not for salvation but we need to work because we are saved but he says uh, they said what what work might we do we might work the works of God verse 29 Jesus answered that question and he said unto them and I hope all my salvation my work friends are listening out there today get this he said this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. That's the work of God. But in Titus chapter 3 verse 5, Paul writing to this young preacher, says verse 5, 
not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. These next three words are real important. He saved us. I couldn't save anyway. No work could I do to save me. I have to admit, I couldn't even get lost without the help of God. But He got me good and lost and got me good and saved. But it was Him that done it. But here He says, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Look down there in verse number 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These are these things are good and proper unto men. Somebody might get saved just by seeing you do something that they're not used to seeing people do. Just bow your head saying, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you, Lord, for this day. You never know what, what work you might do that might benefit someone that needs that. Look down verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. If you want to bear some fruit, have some good works. Brother Wade, uh, yeah. I'd like to make a comment about that. Uh, I was at the doctor's office and and I was just, me and this lady was talking and uh, she said, I can tell that you're a Christian. Yeah. You know, and that, that blessed my heart. Yeah. I'll tell you, it shows. It's kind of like hard to hide, really. Jesus said, don't put a don't put a bushel over your candle, but let it shine. Little Lucy sings that song. Let it shine, let it shine. I'm going to let it shine till Jesus comes. But some people do put a bushel over their candle. But like Carolyn just said there, that lady noticed. She said, I can tell you're a Christian. It shows up when we don't try to hide it. Amen. And in Ephesians chapter 2, of course, I'm sure everybody knows this, but verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. God gave me the gift of salvation. How did He give it, Brother Eddie? I asked for it. I believed Him to give it to me. And I received it by faith. As verse 9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now a lot of people down here uh, that are confused about salvation, uh, they connected to some kind of work. And the work was finished at Calvary. Jesus said it's finished. He finished the work there. But verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2 says we are His workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath ordained that we should walk in them. We do need to maintain good works. They're profitable. They're needed. Uh, our children need to see us doing right. Uh, our people, you know, I worked at Donnelly's. I have to admit, when I got saved, but it was on. I mean, I'm telling you, I was going into dental lines. And uh, these guys, I, I talked tough and, and uh, very critical, very condemning. Now they're hearing me. <laughs> now they're hearing me say, "I'm sorry," and I'm telling them about Jesus and what He done for me. And they're looking at me like a calf, looking at a new gate, like, "What happened to him? Is this the same guy?" But you know that's the difference that Jesus makes. 
Uh, we're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. They're not hearing Brother Eddie cursing no more. They're not hearing Brother Eddie blaming everything. Right. Uh, you know somebody uh, they're seeing Brother Eddie being uh, what he ought to have been all along. Amen. Right. But oh my our walk's important. Yeah. Not only is our walk important our work's important. That's brought up in verse 2. He that walketh uprightly. I didn't walk uprightly before I got saved. Man, I went I went to the dark places. Whew. I said things I shouldn't have said. I'd done things I shouldn't have done. I'm ashamed of it. No, I can't undo it. <laughs> it ain't like I can do anything about it, but there was something he could do about it. He made all my wrongs right. Uh, he cleaned me up. I couldn't clean myself up. A lot of people say, well, one of these days I... I'll come to church when I get my life cleaned up. You're never going to get your life cleaned up. No. And you come just like you are. Right. You let God clean you up. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll come to church. Brother James, I'll come to church smelling like a brewery. And I was still a little bit drunk from the night before, blaspheming, blaming God for all my problems. And and the next thing I know, my little boy asked me to go to church with him, and I couldn't get out of it, and there I am. And even though I was out of place, God knew I was there. God ministered to me while I was there. And boy, I have to admit, I left there as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. But I didn't stay lost. Next day, I ended up getting saved. I went to a man I worked with that always tried to talk to me about Jesus. There's another reason for them good works. At least I knew where to go. I knew he could tell me what I needed to know. And I thank God for men like Wendell Shaw that when I got to talking like I talked, he'd walk away. And when he got to talking like he talked, I walked away. We had a mutual respect for each other. But he never gave up on me. But our walk is important. Verse 2, He that walketh uprightly, that worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. Uh, verse 3, Uh, he that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Our conduct uh, needs to be Christ-like. Uh, the Bible says when he was reviled, he, did, he didn't revile back. I think it's in Hebrews. Bear with me here. That's just faint in my mind, but it did come up real quick here. The Bible talks about looking unto Jesus. Hebrews verse 12. Looking into Jesus. Uh, this may not be the scripture I needed. But when he was reviled, he reviled not back. You know, uh, one thing that Jesus done real good, Pilate marveled that he didn't say nothing against his accusers. And Pilate marveled that he spake not a word. You know, uh, there's been a few times I had to bite about six inches off my tongue, but I, I learned to keep my mouth shut. I, one thing I done, took my foot in my mouth, I was thinking yesterday <laughs> about a man I worked with at R. Donnelly and Sons. I don't know why I even thought about it yesterday, but Dave Vickers, he offered me a promotion. I mean big money promotion. It worked. And I messed it up. I mean, we're talking about a big wheel out there at Donnelly. He said, Eddie, how would you like to work in here? And uh, I said, well, you know, if it pays more money, I'd like to work in here. Just a stupid answer. 
<laughs> Why couldn't I just say it? I'd love to work in there. Yeah. See what I mean? I saw a look on his face when he walked off that I had stuck my foot in my mouth. Dave, uh, you know, he, he gave me a great opportunity right there. He said, Eddie, how'd you like to work in here? We're talking about a clean job. I'm out there with ink plumb up to here every day and, and uh, you know, just a messy, hard job. And he offered me a job in there and what they call quality control where you make sure it's got the right amount of ink everywhere and, and you sign off and it meets the customer's approval. We're talking about, about a close to $100,000 a year job. I'm making like $30,000, $40,000 a year. Dave said, Eddie, how'd you like to work in here? Big dummy me. Uh, just stuck my foot in my mouth. That's what I said. Well, if it pays more money, uh, that didn't bring much honor to the question. But that's that's kind of the way our tongue is. Sometimes it's got to be, I don't know, got to be tamed, that's what James said. But our conduct needs to be Christ-like. Uh, they called them Christians in Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And the uh, reason they called them Christians because it's Christ-like. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse number 2, he said, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Sometimes sometimes you're the only Bible that people read. And you need to make sure it's got the right stuff on the pages. I'm telling you. Some people, they draw their conclusions from you. They do. So you need to make sure that you, that you speak right, that you walk right, that you don't you know, I hate to say, but it's, it's people falling through the cracks right now. Uh, they've told so many lies that the lies are overlapping and they're falling through. Uh, it just don't add up. Uh, these politicians, they've, man, they've got tongues long as a wagon tongue, I think. But uh, they've went and told so many lies they can't cover all the bases. Now it's starting to come up some of the stuff they've, they've said. But uh, that tongue, James talked about that tongue. Man, we all have trouble with this old tongue. James here, James chapter number 3, verse 2. He said, For many things we offend all. I've offended so many people, I ain't going to try to count. But he said, If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole body. That little old tongue right there, somehow like to lock it up, amen. But I tell you, that thing, it, it, my pastor said, if you'll notice the tongue behind ivory bars and, and uh, fleshly lips, and he said, it, it's walking out. And that is true. But in verses 5 and 6, it says, even so the tongue, a little member, boasts of great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And uh, that's the way that tongue is. And, uh, he says, the tongue is a fire, uh, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. You know, that tongue, I don't know about y'all, but I've, I've met some people that I really didn't enjoy being around. <laughs> I mean, their conduct was, whoo, oh, but it never need to be seasoned with grace. But uh, they, they would just make me feel uncomfortable at how they let their tongue walk or lash out you know 
I mean, I have to admit, I was rough back when I was lost, but some of these people, I'll tell you what, they could cut you in two with their tongue. But it says, uh, it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the core. Come on in here, Phyllis. On course. You're all right. You're, you're perfect timing. Yeah. That, that, that tongue, he said, it, uh, it setteth on fire the course of nature and it set on fire hell. That's the kind of tongue I had before I got saved. I try to bite the whole thing every now and then. Now it still wants to lash out. But I try to try to bite it. But uh, <clears throat> turn real quick to Matthew chapter 12. I'm looking at the clock up there and it's wearing me out. I may not be able to finish this lesson today. But I, I, I never have been worried about not finishing the lesson. It's not so important to get through the lesson. What's important is that the lesson gets through. But in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse 33, uh, Jesus here says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. The tree is known by his fruit. I mentioned about a while ago some people I wouldn't couple being around. Oh, I'm telling you, they never did put any restraint on their tongue. And uh, uh, it, I, I didn't really want to hear it. And some of them family members, uh, my dad was probably the worst. My dad was so critical, uh, so judgmental. And uh, I'll tell you, but, uh, Jesus mentioned down there, uh, verse 35, a good man has the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things and this is that verse my pastor preached that time that I was there drunk but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment my pastor preached on that verse and I mean I melted like butter amen I had a corrupt uh, tongue I had a corrupt mouth corrupt mind he says, verse 37, For by thy words shall thou be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. I, I was condemned. Amen. Wasn't no problem at all. He hit, I mean, he hit this dog with the first rock. In Matthew chapter 7, it talks about judging one another, and I'm not fit to judge nobody. And uh, I don't think any of us are, to be honest with you, but sadly we still do it. <laughs> we do. I, if y'all want to admit it, I do, amen. Sometimes I judge too quickly. Sometimes I judge wrongly. I've been better off to have waited. I've been better off got more uh, more information. Brother Mitchell shared with me something about two Sundays ago that not only did I not believe, but I refused to believe until I found out that it was true. I said to hear it, and it, it's sad that it did happen, but it, it does happen. Uh, a good, good friend. I mean, I'm talking about when this man announced his call to preach. I was there when he got ordained. I was one of the ones laid my hand on him. I love him still. Uh, and they suffered. They lost their job. Uh, they're not going to lose their marriage, I don't think, because of the wife. But terrible, terrible, terrible. But when it comes to judging, make sure you get all the evidence before you jump because uh, it would have been easy just jumped on that bandwagon and then found out later on it wasn't true. A good example, that's when my pastor called me into the, in the pastoral office there and said, somebody saw you with another woman. I said, well, that's news to me. Right. I mean, seemed like I would know about it. You know, he said, don't matter. They seen you with her. I said, right. you're going to have to help me. I don't even know what you're talking about. And he said, they seen you with her goodwill. I said, Brother Rick, that's my daughter. I was with another woman, but it's my daughter. 
she a pretty good looking girl, but hey, I, I never thought about anybody drawing that conclusion. And I, I hate so bad because I knew who it was when he mentioned what he saw. Said, that woman quit going to church. That broke my heart. It was an honest mistake. I would have no problem at all saying, I'm so sorry that you jumped to the conclusion. But that's why we need to be careful when it comes to judging. But it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And what measure ye met, it shall be measured you again. And uh, sometimes, you know, we just jump on the bandwagon. We need to be careful when it comes to judging others. Alright, let's get back. Verse number 4. We might get through this. It says, uh, In whose eyes a vile person is contemned. Uh, Y'all know what the word contemned means? I didn't either. I had to look it up. It means despised. And I, I couldn't make no sense out of this verse. <laughs> I have to admit, this verse did not make no sense to me. But it says, In whose eyes a vile person is contemned or despised. But he honoreth them that feareth the Lord. In other words, when he's around somebody that claims to know the Lord, he's a little different than he is when he's by someone that's vile. Uh, but you know he still looks down on the vow uh, and he, he kind of honors the person that bears the Lord but this is, verse says he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not you know the Bible talks about in Exodus chapter number 20 verse number 7 God said I'll not hold him guiltless that takes my name in vain that same verse is repeated Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 11 but uh, he says here, uh, he swears to his own hurt. He's causing his own problem. I remember my dad, man, he blamed everything on God. My mom did too. And uh, I have to admit, one day I did, and they washed my mouth out of my soul, but I couldn't figure it out. They said, GD this, GD that, and blank the blank this, blank the blank that. First time it came out of my mouth, I went to the bathroom. Mama yoked my tongue in and scrubbed on that thing. And I have to admit, next time I thought about saying, I started tasting soul feed men to their own hurt. But Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 says, Put off filthy communication out of your mouth. And uh, I, I tell you, uh, that, that, that change we need that change Isaiah 55 verse 19 says because they have no changes therefore they fear not God but uh, we'll get real quick here verse 5 I can't believe 5 verses took this whole time verse 5 he that putteth not Thomas. he that putteth not out his money to usury nor taketh reward against the innocent he that doeth these things shall never be moved now these are good advices here but verse 5 uh, gambling. Uh, Lord, I don't know if I am going to be able to get through this. But in First Timothy chapter number 6, it mentions a little bit about that. First Timothy chapter number 6, uh, verse 6 through 10. But God is with contentment. It's great game. We brought nothing into this world. Verse 7. And certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment therewith, let us be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare and unto many Foolish and hurtful lusts which drown many destruction and perdition uh, for the love of money is root of all evil uh, after which some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Uh, verse 17 is what I really wanted to reach. 
talks about uncertain riches there in verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in living God who richly who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You know this uh, putting out his money to usury I think that's a reference to like gambling or I just seen where somebody played the mega million fireball jackpot whatever and they won $36 million. Sad thing, Sharon, they never got a penny of it. You got 180 days to pick it up. Oh, And they never picked it up. However, the store that sold the winning ticket, they got a million dollars, and the rest of it, Uncle Sam said, Glad I can help you out with that. Yeah. Yeah, it said the, the funds will be put to things like school and other uh, kind of uh, things. Uh, <laughs> Uncle Sam make sure that money gets spent good. $36 million flew out the window because somebody never showed up to pick it up. They may not be able to speak English. Who knows? I mean, be honest with you. And this how we're living in. But uh, here, uh, he talks about they put not their money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. Uh, our southern border down here, that big deal about down the border, I'm sure everybody don't know this, but there's a lot of child trafficking going on down there. They're actually selling people into slavery, uh, child abuse and stuff like that, uh, charging outrageous uh, things. Uh, they say these kids are worth like $100,000. I forgot how many times over uh, selling them into prostitution and stuff like that. That's sad that our country has stooped that low to allow this to take place. Well, that right there. That's, all, that's what it's all about. Right there. It says, uh, take a reward against the innocent. Charging outrageous interest uh, amounts. Holding back their wages. That's mentioned in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. Talking about, you know, they kept back the, the price of the hire. And, uh, you know, they do that nowadays. Brother Danny, when you work at it, do they pay you every week or bi weekly? Bi. Yeah. yeah. See, they got that money two weeks instead of one week. Yeah. And the conclusion says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 said, it, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and uh, keep His commandments. It's the whole duty of man. Verse 14, For God shall bring every work into judgment, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Oh, my five verses there. I can't believe we got through it. But uh, that, that right there. Uh, Psalm chapter 15, five verses say quite a bit, amen. We'll end our Sunday school lesson right there. Uh, thank you.